as we come together today on 9-11. My heart remembers everything about that day so well. But something else that my heart remembers is September 12th. We've talked about it before. It was a time when you would pull up to a four-way stop and no one would go at all because everyone was putting everyone else first. There was no road rage. There was kindness. There was love. Out of one of the most devastating things came one of the most pure displays of looking out for one another. All the sadness, all the fear that was felt on 9-11, and all the goodness that came on September 12th. And I wonder at what point did that fade? At what point did we get back to normal? At what point did we stop holding one another up the way that we did? And so my challenge to you today is a way to honor those that were lost. It's a way to look toward the greatness that we are as a people. Is to get back to that feeling. Don't let it be tragedy that makes us get in that heart set to have to look out for one another. Develop that heart set right now. Because I'm telling you, if you want to honor loss, the best way is to come at it with that Jesus angle and look out for one another. As I've been studying the past couple of weeks, Joseph, you know I can't get away from Joseph. You know I'm not a series person. Not a serious person sometimes, but I'm not a, a serious person by any means, and I try. But God will nudge me and say, go this way. But here I am, I'm back in Joseph. And I can't stop thinking about God is trying to speak to someone here. I don't know if it's a few, and I don't know if it's just one. But I'm going to be obedient. We find Joseph at this point in his story in Potiphar's house. Reading out of Genesis 39 at times today, we're going to be touching on where God has taken Joseph. On the surface, looking at his story, the bad is just continuing. With every step, he's being carried farther and farther away from what he knew and closer to Egypt. Your current situation, whoever you are, may best be described as farther from destiny. I don't know who that is, but I'm telling you when I pray, like God will just break my heart for the church. And not break my heart in a way like the church needs to do better, but break my heart because I feel like he just lets me feel what the people are feeling sometimes. I need to tell you that we serve an Ephesians 3.20 God. Whoever you are, and Ephesians 3.20, God is a God of exceedingly, of abundantly. 
above all that you could ask or think. If you have placed your life in his hands, then my Bible tells me that there is a powerful work that is going on inside of you and inside of me, and my God is able. If this word is still true, then it was never up to you to dream it up. So if you're the God dreamer today, it was never up to you to dream it up. It was only up to you to let God fight for you and to walk into what he has for you. A Second Chronicles 2017 kind of thing that you need not fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Do you know what I love about that verse? Everything. But do you know what I especially love? Those last two words, with you. He has not abandoned you. I don't know who needs to feel God beside them right now in what you're going through, but he is there. He is not a God who plays mind games. He is not looking to see how much cruelty you can take. There is this kid's game, and it's called Don't Break the Ice. Here's the goal of the game. The goal of the game is the little skater. You don't want the little skater to fall in. If you've ever played this game with a young boy, you will understand the goal of the game is completely opposite. They don't tap bricks gingerly. But we can begin to feel like God is just that five-year-old boy with a hammer, and he is just looking to see how many bricks he can knock out from under you to keep you on edge, how long till you fall in. But I have to tell you, if you believe the word of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, when you hear that we, you may think you and I. I tend to think of it like me and Jesus. say it because the battles that go on within this church family you are not alone you have not been forsaken every season comes to an end the weight of the walk can tend to wear you out. But I need to tell you, if you feel like you're in that Joseph season, that whatever it is, it is carrying you closer to destiny. It may feel like you're in the captor's cage being carried to Egypt. It may feel like you're in the whale's belly. It may feel like you are Samson being led between two pillars to be mocked even more. But this situation, this chapter, is bringing you closer to your God. A Deuteronomy 31.8 God. He's the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. But you say you don't understand what I'm up against right now on this Sunday morning. Here's my question to you. Is it bigger than your God? Because when I read in Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39, that neither 
death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, you may feel like you're in Potiphar's house. Potiphar described in Genesis 39 as an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian who bought Joseph. Potiphar's very name meant devoted to the sun. You see, they worshiped the sun god, Ra. And so every time that his master who had bought him, every time that name was mentioned, he was reminded of the fact that he was not where he used to be. Spiritually, when I'm praying, this is craziness. Spiritually, I'm like, God, what goes with that? Do you know what? Do you know what image came up in my mind? Throw that one up. Give me that one because somebody needs to hear it. You aren't in Kansas anymore, but that's okay. Whoever the toto in the building is, you aren't in Kansas anymore, but God is with you where you're going. That you may think, hey, I want to go back and I want to ride my bike and look at the corn, but God is saying it's time to go toward destiny. It's time to go toward things that you may not understand what's going on, but get ready. Get ready. God has got this. In your prayers, some of you are crying out, God, can you not see this circumstance? God, can you not see that this chapter seems worse than the last chapter? But my question is, can your God bring glory in this place? I have told people before that either when it comes to ministry, you're called or you're crazy. That the places that you will walk sometimes may be dark places. But here's something that's true. In every dark place that I've had a privilege of walking with this church family through, God has been present in everything. There is blessing and there is opportunity in this season, church. There is blessing and opportunity that we would not have the privilege to step into if we stayed where we were. From a natural perspective, Joseph's situation stinks. When I was young, on Saturday nights, there were two shows, because we had like three, five, and eight, maybe 43 if the wind wasn't blowing. And you could either watch Fagler, his name was, who I think he was a political analyst, an editorial. I mean, it put me to sleep as a kid. Or you could watch Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Ebert would come on, always talking about movies I'd never see as a kid. Because all I ever wanted to see was Raiders of the Lost Ark as a kid. And it's funny how two people could see the same movie but have totally different reviews. It's amazing how we as Christians can see something and have two totally different takes. And maybe we need to be reminded that you weren't called into this situation to give it a review, but you were called into this situation to hear it from God's perspective because he has a director's cut, because he knows what's going on, because he writes the script and he knows the behind the scenes, and he is directing things in a way that you and I cannot even understand. 
I need to stop reviewing the situation. If my God allows it, he's going to see me through it. It is said by Spurgeon that externally it didn't always appear that Joseph was a man that God was with. For he didn't always appear to be prosperous. But when you come to look at the inmost soul of this servant of God, you will see that he lived in communion with the Most High and God blessed him. What you need to hear and whoever it is, is that the spiritual does not bow to the physical. That you've been convinced by what you see that in some way that God has stepped back and saying that's too big for me to take care of. That we tend to think that maybe if negativity goes on for so long that we just have to settle in that that's where we are. But I'm telling you that's not the way that this book is written. My God is able. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard. Some people think they can't be blessed unless they are in charge of everything. I've met a couple like that. Some people think that unless they have love and accolades from 100% of the people that they're not blessed. But the Jesus that I serve didn't show up for accolades. He showed up to be a servant. Matthew 20, 26 says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you will learn to be servant of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve in Matthew 20, 28. Here is a thing when it comes to serving, when it comes to all this. There is something that's on my heart, and I've been writing it down, and it will probably roll as soon as I'm done with this series. And it is the attack that is going on in churches today when it comes to something that man would call theology, but it looks more like manology than theology. I am sick and tired and tired and sick of churches abusing the word prosperity when it comes to God. See, what happens is when you read this story, it does not say that God looked down upon Joseph in this and delivered him a Mercedes chariot to Potiphar's house to make him roll better. It does not say that God bestowed upon him Gucci sandals to his child in Egypt. It doesn't say that even though Joseph was a slave, his bank account in 401k was lit. No, and that's one side. But anytime the word prosperity comes up, it's said like it is some negative thing, but the Bible talks about God prospering his people. So should we just erase that because it has been misinterpreted so much that when it comes up, we can't even talk about it. So I looked this up. The most expensive home in the Cleveland area is called the Medieval Mansion. It's in Rocky River. If any of you want to buy it, it's $6.4 million dollars. There is nothing in me that thinks that I have a right to ever get the keys to that house just because I serve Jesus. I'm just being real with you. And someone's like, well, you should claim it. No, I shouldn't. I cannot even keep my little ranch house from falling apart half the time. I got a honeydew list that's as tall as I am, and I don't want that mansion. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 1 through 2 God is saying, my son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. The best things in my relationship with God aren't things at all. 
God's peace is priceless. God's prosperity means that my heart overflows with those things that it needs the most. Here is a truth about a servant's heart. You don't need to be betrayed and sold into Egypt to have a servant's heart. You can practice it right here and right now. You can choose it. The way that you carry your faith, church, it speaks volumes. The Bible says Joseph was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. My question is, how much of his success do you think he was in charge of at that point? Probably not a whole lot. But his story can be summarized in one sentence. God overruled the evil choices of man to accomplish his eternal desires. I think of a court, and I think that my God, the judge, that in a court when a judge says overruled, there is no more arguing. When a judge says order in the court, there is order. And the God that I serve is a God of order. You may say, but I don't feel like anything is happening. Just like we said last week, why you got to get your praise music on? Because there's times when I may say, God, I don't understand what's happening. And then Waymaker comes on and they'll go to the bridge. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. And I'm like, you're working. When the enemy has you down, when he has you in a place that you wonder, are the stones going to start flying? When you don't completely understand what's going on, it's at that point that Jesus tends to stoop down and write in the dirt. And I think that wherever you are and however beaten down you may feel, you need to look over. And, oh, you may only see his sandal. You may only see his finger as he's leaning down in this moment. But I'm telling you, he's for you. When you look at that original wording of what it is, when he writes, it's not that Jesus is scribbling because he's nervous. No, the wording that's used there is that he's writing down a record against someone. And so some would say that Jesus began to write the sins of those people that were going to stone the woman. I like to believe that when the enemy comes calling, that Jesus is writing down the fight record and the wins and losses for the enemy. Yup, you're batting zero. Bible says, and Joseph's master saw that the Lord was with him. John Wycliffe, great quote. God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Don't get that twisted. That doesn't mean live how we want. What it means is the fact that someone is watching what's going on. Are you able to say right now in this season, and yet I trust him? And yet I trust him. Oh, going through the ringer, and yet I trust him. Awaiting those test results, and yet I trust him. And yet I'm going to show up and do this work with integrity. I will not hesitate when good comes into my life to say this good comes from my God. I will not hesitate. If it's politically incorrect in the office, you know what? Then I'll be politically incorrect in the office. My God gives me good things. It's always easy to have a great attitude when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but nowhere in Joseph's story does it say that this was a temporary situation. For all Joseph knew, his story could end right there, just like that. 
He wasn't an indentured servant working it off. But he showed Potiphar that God is real. I don't know who your Potiphar is, but I know that he's watching. And when he's not watching, he's feeling what's going on. There is no greater privilege for you and I than to show people that God is real, that God is love, that God is mercy, that God still forgives sinners. When others look at your life, do they see Jesus in it? God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. We say God is with us, but do we live that way? Do our words reflect that God is with us? Does our attitude reflect that God is with us? Do our actions reflect that God is with us? It's our privilege to live differently. Here's what I don't want the world to see. I don't want the world to see a church that gets more passionate arguing about white claw than they do the Messiah and his place on the throne. I'm at a place in my life where I don't have time for drama. We're at a place as a church where we don't have time for drama. I want what I do to reflect who he is, period. When you look at Potiphar in your life, does he see your God? We're past this point, church, of people saying, you know what? There's something different about you. We're past that point. It's time to be intentional. Because you're a child of God, and if we believe that things are winding down, you know what I want? Here's what I desire. I want my interactions with people when it comes to God to be marked by the Holy Spirit goosebumps on your arm. That's what I want. I want when conversations going on that people are like, I felt that. Because of testimony, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. In this season, blessing can set the stage. Favor can soften the heart. The hand of God, it can turn the soil. Genesis 39.5 says, Then the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that Potiphar had in the house and in the field. Putting God out there. So your boss saying to you, I know you're a Christian because you won't quit talking about it. And since you've been here, I have noticed things changing around here for the better. The Bible says in the house and in the field. In other words, when Potiphar woke up, he woke up blessed for Joseph's sake because the man of God was in his house. When he walked throughout his house, he walked in blessing. When he left for work to walk through the field, he walked through blessing for Joseph's sake. So I say to you, whoever the dreamer is, that God's looking to do things. The God of the universe, how humbling is that, that he wants to do things for your sake because of where you are. He wants to say to someone, they say they're for me, and I want you to see what happens when people are for me. Here's the thing about God prosperity. It means that I'm shaking hands with destiny. What do I mean by that? I mean that Joseph in this story, imagine being a slave and being at this high-ranking man's house. Imagine the people that came in and out of there every day. Imagine him rubbing shoulders and getting acquainted with these officials, with these movers and shakers. Do you know what I think God was saying? He was saying, you feel like you're not in the thick of mission right now, but when mission kicks in, 
When spiritual destiny momentum kicks in, you're not going to have time for all these introductions because we got work to do. So whoever feels like they're in the hallway right now of whatever is going on, God is putting things in place. God is making those spiritual connections that you may not see now, but he's saying, I will give you the destiny that I promised. Matthew Henry said God qualifies his own for the mission that he intends. The Bible says the call of God is without repentance. It's very difficult because so many times when you see people walk away from God, walk away from church, walk away from it all, they will go into the world and they will seemingly prosper. You ever notice that? People are like, no, you don't. No, I'm a pastor, and I'll say, yeah, they do sometimes. It's because the calling that's on their life is what people are seeing. It's because it's in their spiritual DNA to be magnetic. It's because what God has placed in them is this evangelistic fire that when you are out in the world, and the world's like, wow, you're so different. It's because God is wooing them and reminding them of who they truly are in him. It is him calling back the prodigal. Every step on this earth is a moment in time that your calling is relevant, that it's real. And I'm going to get really real here. Stop forfeiting the God calling. Stop allowing those that you love to forfeit the God calling. Stop dancing around. When you see someone that's in your family that you love, that you know is called, you know what? Speak words of life over them, but speak words of God life. And say, where you are right now, I know the God plan looks like this. You don't throw stones. You speak the God plan over them. Because I'm telling you, that will do so much to draw them back. My question to you is, are you fully committed? I'm going to be wrapping this up. It would have been easy for Joseph to look at his situation and do what we can so often do. Dismiss what's going on in the present because it just seems bad. Have you ever done that? I've done that. Got up in the morning, my toothbrush is out of batteries. You know, and I've forgotten that you can, like, use it regular. And I'm like, day's shot, day's shot. Joseph believed that God could bless right where he was. He didn't wait for a better situation to say he was blessed. One of the most beautiful things is when you see someone going through a valley and to hear them say, I am blessed. I am blessed beyond measure. When you see someone go up to someone in sympathy, but to hear that person who was about to receive the sympathy bless the other person by how much Jesus they are glorifying right then. Don't tell me my God's distant. I work on self-control. I work on long-suffering, but don't tell me my God's distant. He does things in this world for his children's sake. Okay, I'll go here. And there are people who would say, and here's the thing, you know, here's where I'm kind of getting rattled when it comes to this new modern theology that rolls. There are people that would say, you read this story in Genesis, but has anyone told you you aren't Joseph? 
So you read these scriptures to empower the church, but you are not the early Ephesian church. You are not the Corinthians. You read things about Joshua, about God fighting. You are not Joshua. Here's where I'm getting mad. Stop saying that the God that I serve is this impersonal God. If the word of God is alive and active, if God is no respecter of persons, then God doesn't look at me like some afterthought because I'm not his favorite like Joshua was. The same God whose grace chose a Joshua, the same God whose grace chose a Paul, he's the same God that's still working today. And where I'm getting just really weird about it is when people just want to treat this like it's a storybook that we take out and we're just like, that was really great how God helped that guy with that giant. Well, no, the same God is strengthening us today to do those things that he's putting in our lives. And when I read this book, I want to read it in an alive way. Because it is weird how much of theology has turned into what's comfortable, comfortable for people. And then they say, well, this is what I believe. And I'm done. When I met with Jack, remember Jack when I met with you? And I, I said, I am done with people trying to clip the wings of the Holy Spirit. I'm done. That's not what we're about. Right. I'm telling you. Well, we need to close because there's lunch to have and there's places to go. I want to ask this today, though, church. I'm not saying it's easy where you are. Not even claiming it. But I'm asking in the coming weeks and months for a transparency. This isn't one where we come together and we try to say, well, my problems are way worse than your problems. No. But we can't be a church of facade. We just can't. We need to be real. There was a quote the other day that said, one day you will share the story of how God brought you through and someone else will see it as a survival guide. Your testimony is needed. Your testimony during the fight is needed. Your testimony when he has brought you through, speak it. If you'll stand, we're going to pray. I'd like to thank you all for being with us today. God's doing some things here. If you will bow your heads, we'll pray. Father, right now, I pray that you would empower everyone, that you will remind the dreamers that those dreams came from you, that you would put a fight in us, Lord, that the greatest things that you have given us could not be pried out of our hands. I thank you for freedom. Thank you for the freedom of the place where I live that I can worship you without fear. And Father, I pray that in this week that you will provide God opportunity, that you will remind the enemy that his batting average is still zero, and that you will guide your people in every step they take. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.